I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. And so this is Christmas for weak and for strong, for rich and the poor ones. The world is so wrong, and so happy Christmas for black and for white, for yellow and red ones. Let's stop all the fight. A very merry Christmas, my audience. Pardon me if you don't like my singing. What can I say? It is Christmas. I am borrowing John Lennon's lyrics since I have a global audience. So for those who do celebrate Christmas, I wish you and your loved ones a very merry Christmas. And for those who do not celebrate Christmas, that's all right too, because like John Lennon said or sang, "Happy Christmas for black and for white." For yellow and red ones, let's stop all the fight. And it does not matter which faith you have or not have. We all want the same thing. We all want to be loved and to love. So let's put that into practice. And the one thing that can help us to do that is self-awareness, which so happened to be our topic for this episode. Before I start, let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart and close your eyes, unless you are driving or operating heavy machinery. So take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your worries go. Let. Your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well, and so it is.
So take another deep breath in and exhale out loud. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. I'm sure a lot of people out there, they think they know themselves pretty well. However, self-awareness is a very rare trait to find. Most of us are often guilty of a lack of self-awareness, which can render us inefficient and ill-prepared to relate to others. So we just mentioned we all want to be loved and to love. And if we are not self-aware, a lot of times we think that we are behaving lovingly. But as a matter of fact, it's the exact opposite. So I suppose the more self-aware you are, the easier you will catch yourself for behaving unlovingly. I often love to put things in a nutshell. So in this case, in a nutshell, self-awareness is the ability to gauge your emotions, character, and skills correctly. As basic as it may sound, you would be surprised at how many people walk around lacking this basic skill. Let's say you work in an office and you are supposed to complete a project by next Friday. However, instead of getting to work right away, you procrastinate until the last second and rush the entire project. So guess what happened? The result is a project that could have gone much better. If you are self-aware, you would likely acknowledge that you dropped the ball and would make an effort not to do so again. Taking it a step further, you may even analyze the causes for your procrastination, then try to fix them or change it. On the other hand, a lack of self-awareness could see you avoiding responsibility for your actions or even ignoring the character traits that put you in that position over and over again. What about when navigating relationships? Let's say if you are self-aware, you would likely to acknowledge any maladaptive behaviors or unloving behaviors toward your loved ones. And you would immediately, let's say, apologize. You self-reflect knowing that you did do wrong and you could do better in the future. Putting examples aside, let's break down how a high level of self-awareness can benefit you both in and out of your personal life as well as workplace. It enables you to assess your skill set and character traits accurately. You can become better at your job since you know what your weak points are. It can enable you to navigate relationships in your personal life better. Of course, another important point is that self-awareness has everything to do with honesty. If you keep making excuses for your faults, for your maladaptive behaviors, or whatever, you are not being honest with yourself and could signal a lack of self-awareness. And worse, if you keep blaming other people for your own feelings, thoughts, and behaviors. Therefore, cultivating self-awareness is essential and is very important and vital if you want to improve yourself as a person in order to grow and develop 
Once you know what your flaws are, you can put all your self-discipline into action to tackle them. This, in turn, would definitely improve your life all around. The next logical question would be how to cultivate self-awareness. Now, there, of course, there are many tips and ways to cultivate self-awareness. The more effective ones would be mindfulness. Sometimes the concept of mindfulness is tangled up with self-awareness in general. When people talk about the modern version of mindfulness, they are referring to the idea of being aware of your surroundings, thoughts, and feelings. Still remember. Feelings come from thoughts. Now, many try to ignore their thoughts and feelings throughout the day. Let's face it: life can be stressful. You may end up ignoring certain aspects of yourself in the hope they will go away on their own. I'm sure you know it by now. It's not going to work. So, cultivating mindfulness means acknowledging those negative feelings and thoughts and dealing with them. Mindfulness can help improve your focus since you won't spend as much energy trying to ignore things. It can help you avoid premature judgments since you judge events and people on their own merits. According to some studies, practicing mindfulness can decrease your stress levels, and one of them is meditation, and it's been scientifically studied as well. Meditation isn't everyone's cup of tea, but it offers a lot of benefits. Another effective way to cultivate self-awareness is to look to the people surrounding you, your trusted friends and loved ones, and ask them for their honest opinions about your character and skills. Often, you'll get responses you weren't expecting, which can force you to take a closer look at yourself, and that's what I refer to your blind spots. Now, this can be tricky. Asking people for honest feedback will make a lot of them uncomfortable. Therefore, if you are ever so lucky to have a best friend who is brave enough to be honest with you and tell you the truth, and then make sure you value those feedbacks, and you need to remain open to examine them. And how you do that is with self-reflection, not rumination. If you remember me ever mentioned that our mind or our brain can be a dangerous neighborhood, why? Because thinking can be inherently good for health and well-being if we can control our thoughts, and when we don't, then it will turn into a bad thing when used. Excessively, in other words, when you find yourself think excessively, we call it mindlessly instead of being mindful. Then most likely you are ruminating rather than self-reflecting. I think it is a good time to now ask the question: What is rumination and self-reflection? Self-reflection is the action of. Thinking about your own feelings and behavior, and the reasons that may lie behind them, and for rumination is repeatedly and passively thinking about the causes or consequences of problems without moving to active problem solving. Now, I want you to remember this: 
both are, meaning rumination and self-reflection, they are examples of adaptive behaviors. So it is not a question of whether they are good or bad, but whether they are useful or not for you. That means when you are ruminating, is it serving you? And when you are self-reflecting, does it help you to be more self-aware? Self-reflection is associated with the ability to exercise more control over one's feelings and behavior and generally to make better decisions in terms of how to respond. It is associated with the ability to learn and change. Conversely, rumination is a key contributor to mental health disorders such as depression and anxiety, not to mention that most likely you will have insomnia. So how do I tell the difference? Self-reflection invites us to detach ourselves from certainties and to question rigid ideas. In turn, it reminds us that we are free beings, people with the ability to be independent when making decisions. Few dimensions of personal growth favor such an intimate and full connection with one's inner self. Self-reflection helps us to ask ourselves what we really want out of life and what it is that gives us happiness. More often than not, quite a number of people that do not like to ask questions they do not see the need to ask these questions of rigid ideas, will have a challenging time to cultivate self-reflection. The simplest way to tell the difference between self-reflection and rumination uh, would be done through the perspective of negative or positive content of the thoughts. Rumination will generally have exclusively negative content whereas self-reflection will either have a mixture of negative and positive or just positive content. There are also process differences as rumination will not result in a move to a problem-solving mode, whereas reflection will. And last, rumination will tend to persist for a longer period of time than self-reflection. Let me give you an example. Self-reflecting on a presentation, let's say, that I need to give tomorrow considers my past experiences, good or bad, and then realistically identifies my strengths and weaknesses. And taking action to address deficits is a self-reflective process. A ruminative pr approach would be uh, to reflect on past experiences, focus on bad experiences, and based on a likely negative outcome, and then project further consequences of that. So let's say last time I was ill-prepared, and therefore it did not give me the result that I wanted. So I make sure that this time I prepare early and give it my all, and I'm sure the result will be more positive than last time. That is the process of self-reflection. Rumination would be, oh, last time my team didn't support my presentation and it was embarrassing and I am not so sure why, what went wrong. I thought I prepared for it. Obviously, it was not enough. Well, what am I supposed to do this time? Most likely, I won't have enough time and the same result will happen. Geez, this presentation is giving me a headache. I can't think now. That would be a rumative approach. Now, indicators of rumination could be a body sensation as well, such as headaches, pains, or tightness similar to stress, difficulty in sleeping, 
like insomnia, loss of appetite. It could be mental symptoms such as loss of concentration and focus or just an inability to stop thinking. The key to stopping ruminating is firstly noticing these symptoms. The next step is to do something different to break the cycle. This could be meditation, physical exercise, mental distractions such as thinking of other things. Talk to a close friend or family member. However, beware of those who tend to have their own issues with ruminating. If all else fails, mindful breathing is a great thing to do in the moment as a combination of deep breathing and noticing your body will tend to immediately break the cycle so you can put in place other more productive cognitive strategies such as reappraisal, reviewing the evidence in terms of likely outcomes and likely consequences of these outcomes and problem solving. Try to bring yourself back to self-reflection. To be honest, in our field, some colleagues call self-reflective consciousness the art forgotten by psychology. And quite frankly, I can't say I disagree. This is for a very simple reason. Our society has reached a point where it is much easier to blame bad fortune or other people for what happens to us. Instead of this, we should have the courage or the psychological capacity to realize that much of what happens to us is a consequence of our actions, our thoughts, our operating system, whether these are avoidable or not. So, let me conclude by quoting Confucius. Life is very simple, but we insist on it being complicated. If only we humans learn to consistently hold ourselves, be accountable for our own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Our life will be so much different, and for the better, and simpler. My audience, I hope this has been helpful for you to differentiate between self-reflection and rumination and know the importance of these adaptive behaviors that could help us cultivate self-awareness. On that note, until next week, happy holidays, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. You can find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-A-K-I-A-O.com. Mm-hmm.